Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How excited are you about God's Word? Keep going. Hilariously happy, joyfully excited. It's a joy unspeakable and filled with glory. Amen. Full of the glory of God. It's unspeakable. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to grow in spiritual things. We're going to learn and we're going to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because we've learned how to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. We put God on His side. We put the devil on His side. And anything that's not good comes from the devil. And everything that's good comes from God. God is good, Satan's evil. Amen? Anything in between that, as I said uh, earlier, is nothing but fallacy and heresy and whatever you want to call it. Amen. God is good. Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Amen. <laughs> Let's get to the Word before I start preaching in a minute. Thirteenth chapter. Let's go on down to verse 21. That's where we left off this morning, if you remember. We're trying to get past that portion of Scripture, but we haven't made it. That's okay. We need to hang around there for a while. Amen. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the Word. Why does tribulation and persecution come? Because you're so special? Huh? Because the devil's put a tag on you and said, that's a special one there? Or because if someone said, you know... I got into this faith walk. I started to walk by faith. And as soon as I got into the faith walk, everything went upside down. Well, certainly. What would you expect? That's what's going to happen. Because the devil's got your number. Your faith antenna went up. As soon as it went up, the devil saw you and said, there's one right there. There's one of them fanatical ones, the faith ones. They're one trying to get something from God. And then there's someone off to the side and says, well, go and tell them that, they, that they're not supposed to believe God for anything. Just tell them they're supposed to be beggarly in the world. Just take the cares of this world, just to struggle through this life without anything. They shouldn't ask God for any money. Oh, dear Lord, no. You know, what would the people think at church? You know, if the preacher had two suits, they're God. I mean, you know, (laughs) one's enough, you know. Isn't that right? No, that's not what the Word teaches. We're going to see that's a deception of the devil. But the Bible teaches us as soon as you start to exercise your faith, as soon as your faith antenna goes up in the air, that devil's got your number. You better believe the afflictions coming. You better believe persecution's coming. No one ever said it wasn't coming. It's just that when it comes, we know what to do with it. When it comes, we know how to handle it. Amen? Glory to God. That's what we're learning. We're learning how to take the Word of God, the Word of life, and let it be the first and utmost in our life so that when the circumstances and the pressures of life come at us, we can look the devil right in the eye and say, Mr. Devil, you get back to where you belong. Symptoms of sickness and disease, you don't belong on me. Poverty, no part in my life. Amen? Envy, division, and strife, all that stuff is all of the devil. Blessed be God, it's earthly, sensual, devilish. We're just going to stand fast on the Word of God and on the things of God. But you've got to learn how to recognize spiritual things if you're going to walk in victory. You've got to know where it comes from. You've got to purify your heart, clean up your heart, 
Break out all the leaves and the stones and the sticks and thorns and the thistles of unbelief and doubt and heresy and fallacy. All that garbage has got to get out of your heart. Amen? Now, it says affliction and persecution was coming. We said affliction was the pressure of the circumstances of life are coming against you for the Word's sake. And we said that the persecution was that which drives you away. Anything that's designed to drive you away from the Word of God. So as soon as you plant the Word in your heart, you best believe that affliction and persecution is coming. If you heard the Word on healing, expect to get attacked in your physical body. Or your children. If you have children, He's going to attack your children. You might as well just face it because He's coming. To put, what, like we said this morning, put the pressure on, so to speak. Put the pressure on you to see if you can endure until that healing is manifested. Or unless you'll, to see if you'll fall away from the Word of God. Now, we showed... The life of the Apostle Paul, we talked about him this morning, how he was persecuted and afflicted. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go back to this guy. We want to, we want to follow something up. We hadn't finished. I thought I did, but I didn't when I started to meditate this afternoon on Paul. But these are some thorns and thistles you need to rake out of your heart, out of your spirit, man, so that your heart can be prepared to receive from God. And they've got to be out of your heart if you're going to prepare. 2 Corinthians 11 chapter. Let's start somewhere. <laughs> well, let's start with verse 23. I'll go up to 21. I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. He's starting to brag on himself just, just uh, to, show them a, to show a point to them, prove a point to them. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. He's talking about these false apostles and teachers. Okay, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, off. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Five times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. Oh, that's a crime. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings, often in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness. It's a good thing he was sick. He might have been, you know, if he wasn't sick, he might have been so strong so healthy, so vigorous. No, that's not what it says. Can you imagine a sick man that was so sick he could hardly see or crippled, he could hardly walk? Some say he was sick. Some say he couldn't see. Some say he had this disease of the eyes that caused this fluid to run from his eyes and stopped him from seeing. That's why he had somebody else write his letters. Boy, they make up all... The devil gives all these things into their imaginations and man starts to go wild with them. Isn't it something that he was so bad off physically 
that all he could do was put up with these few tribulations? Just beaten with rods, 39, 39 stripes on his back five times, cast into the sea. Can you see a sick person like that? I can't. Can you? No. If this guy was sick, we should, I'll tell you what, he, he did a superhuman feat, didn't he? If this guy was sick in his body, when you're sick in your body, how many of you want to go and get beat, you know, 39 stripes five times? That's enough to kill a man right there. Beaten with rod, stoned to death, cast overboard. Can you see a sick man like that? No. I don't know where they get this image in this picture that Paul was so sick. They say, but didn't you read? Well, we're going to read on and find out. We're going to read on and see what happened here. Now, remember about all this persecution, all this affliction. Let's go to verse 28. Besides those things that are without, those things came from the without. That which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Underline that phrase, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and am I not weak? But who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities does not mean diseases. You better just mark that down in your Bible. It does not mean diseases. I'll give you a definition. Want of strength, weakness, indicating inability to produce results. If, he's, if that word means diseases, then over there in Romans 8, chapter, verse 26, where it says, that, But likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. It would be saying, But the Spirit helpeth our diseases. Now that's dumb. Isn't that right? The infirmity that he's talking about is the weakness of his own flesh. About his lack of strength in himself to produce the results that God wanted him to produce. He couldn't do it as a man is what he's saying. I'm not glorying in the revelations that I had. You know, there's a lot of people that like to brag on themselves. Vain glory. If anybody could have bragged, he didn't notice he didn't say over here when he talked about the other the false apostles and false teachers. He didn't talk about, well, Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus and he showed me himself in a vision. I saw him and etc. And an Ananias came and laid his hands on me. I got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. I got caught up into the third heaven, etc., etc., etc. He didn't go and glory about all those things. Did he? What did he glory in? The fact that the mark of a true disciple and apostle of Jesus Christ is he will suffer persecution. I glory in the fact that for Jesus I'm suffering persecution. Because the other ones weren't suffering it. Which showed that they were false. And if you're not suffering it, you're not living godly. You know the Bible says, He that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's right. I would be afraid or ashamed if I wasn't suffering persecution for Jesus. Afraid of Him. The fear of the Lord. I mean that. Because if you're living godly, you're going to suffer persecution for Jesus. You're going to be attacked. You're going to be afflicted. You're going to be persecuted. And so what? Just recognize where it's coming from. Let's go on here. Who is, let's go on down to verse 31. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus, the king kept the city of Damascenes, 
with the garrison desirous to apprehend me, and though through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in body, I cannot tell. Or whether out of body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such as one caught up into the third heaven. Now I want you to catch something here. He said 14 years ago. This book was written in 60 A.D. 40 years ago makes it 46 A.D. 14 years ago rather makes it 46 A.D. He could have been talking about when he was stoned at Lystra. Because that happened in about 14 to 16 A.D. So it couldn't have been that time. This was another time. And it doesn't say he didn't know what he saw. All it says is he, he, he did not know whether he was in his body or out of his body. In other words, it was so close. It could have been like Enoch. It could have been like Elijah that he just got caught off into there, body and all. And went up to the third heaven and saw things. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my weaknesses of my flesh, or my inability to produce the results of an apostle through my own strength. You see, them scribes and Pharisees, they was going around saying they were somebody. They can do it because they did this and they did that and they... Paul didn't say anything about that he did. He didn't talk about all the revelations, the abundance of revelations. He didn't talk about all the wonderful things that he did. All he goes on and tells these people is about his weaknesses of his own flesh, the persecution and affliction that he suffered for the life of an apostle. Notice he didn't go off there and brag on the other side. Let's go on. Well, in there, verse 5, he says, Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. That's, what he's go- That's why he's writing all this. He's not writing all this to show you that he was a sick man. Go to First Peter. Hold your place right there. Hey, to prove, to prove that he was an apostle, what, shouldn't he have just gone off and said, Well, listen, have you people seen Jesus of Nazareth? Did he appear to you? Did he give you all this divine revelation that he gave me? Did you go up into the third heaven like I did? He didn't do that. He's not glorying in that. He's not, you know, lifting up himself that way. Lest he be caught up in pride. Go to 1 Peter, the second chapter. This is why he didn't do it. Go on down to verse 20. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Now go back there. He was doing well. He was doing exactly what the will of God was in his life, and he was suffering for the good that he was doing. So consequently, because he was suffering for the good that he was doing, the Spirit of glory was resting upon him. Now, should he start to start to be getting on God and, and speaking to God and trying to get himself justified, trying to prove that he was somebody, trying to prove that he was a great apostle, trying to prove that he was doing all these things. He had the power to do all this. He had the power to do all that. If he had done it that way, and if he had gotten into error, 
But all he would have been doing was bragging about himself. He'd have got caught up in the pride. He would have been asking the Father, Now, dear Lord, why has this all happened to me? I've been doing good. I've been doing right. He would have had to get caught up in the pride. But he didn't do that. He didn't question why it happened to him. He knew that persecution and affliction had to come upon him. But he endured the persecution. He endured it to the end. The affliction and all the pressures of life that came on him. He knew that he was in the will of God. He said nothing about it. All he did was speak the word and speak the word and continue to preach the word. And the more he preached the word, the more the glory of God came upon him. And the more the glory came upon him, the more he was changed from glory to glory to the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let's go on and read and finish it how he finishes this off. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear. Lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me. He didn't want them to lift him up. He's writing this to the church at Corinth because of their errors. And they're being misled by the wrong teachers. But here he's saying, if I were to tell you everything about me that I know, you might come and lift me up as a God. And I don't want that. I don't want, you to, draw, I don't want to draw your attention to me as a man. I'll just show you that I'm suffering for righteousness' sake, and rightly so. I'm living right. But the other ones weren't. Let's go on. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. Now you can check this out for yourself, but the word there, thorn in the flesh, the phrase thorn in the flesh, look up Numbers 33, 55... It says the, that the people, the Amorites, would be thorns in their sides. All that phrase is ever used to show is not a sickness or a disease, but a personality. There was given unto me, and it doesn't say God gave to me. It says there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. Back in Numbers thirty-three fifty-five, you could read it for yourself. It says that this nation will be to you thorns in your sides if you don't get rid of them. A thorn in your side. Then he goes on to say in the next part of that verse what it was. Lest I should be a messenger, the messenger of Satan. Listen, the messenger, the messenger, the angel is the literal meaning. 181 times the word is translated angel. It's the word angelos. Seven times it's translated messenger for an angel is a messenger and rightly so. But it says, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. What is it that you be buffeted for your faults? Be buffeted for your well-doing and take it with patience. Paul was being buffeted for his well-doing and he took it with patience and endurance. Let's go on. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. All right. And he said unto me, now get all your religion and your tradition out, close those eyes off to religious tradition. It does not say, Paul, you hold on to your sickness and your disease. It's not my will to heal you. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that anywhere in that verse. But that's how they preach it. Most people don't look for the, in the Bible for themselves to find out what it is. Look at what it says. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient enough for you. For you. My grace. Not to bear the sickness. Not to bear disease. 
He said, My grace, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. This man had revelation knowledge. This man had an abundance of revelation knowledge given to him that no man knew on this earth that was revealed directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when this messenger of Satan came to buffet him, he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient enough for you to stand against that devil, to stand against that demon. And every time he comes to persecute you and afflict you and do all this terrible things to you, my grace is sufficient enough to see you through to the end in victory. And you go to 2 Timothy, we read it there in the third chapter. He says, My God delivered me out of all the persecution and all the trials and tribulations of my life. How? Through His grace. God's grace is His willingness to move on your behalf. He said, But I'm not going to do it. You do it through my grace. God's grace is sufficient. And if you know God's grace and understand God's grace, then you know how to get it to work on your behalf. It'll be sufficient for you. But let's go on. Let's clarify it some more. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice he said, for my strength. Let's go back up to verse 9. Notice at the beginning. For my strength is made perfect in what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, I'll glory in the weakness of my flesh that the strength of Christ may be made perfect in me. And as you tie this all together in Philippians where he said 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ. Now he knows him as his strength. Which strengtheneth me. How? By becoming weak towards my flesh. Put unto your flesh. Realize the inability of your flesh to do the things of God. Realize your inability in your flesh to get somebody healed, saved, or delivered, or set free, or filled with the Holy Spirit. Realize the weakness of your flesh to carry the gospel throughout all the lands. And he did. And he said, when I'm weak in myself, and I realize that I have no power in myself, and I realize that I can't do it by myself, and I know this, and there's so many people that get caught up in the pride. They think, oh, because I do this in the church, you know, all these things should happen for me. And dear sister so-and-so, she served the Lord for 30-some-odd years, 40-some-odd years. If anybody should be healed, she should be healed. She's come to church faithfully three times a week, you know, all every week for all how many years. That's got nothing to do with it. You're glowing in your own righteousness, in your own works of your own righteousness. But he says, I'm not going to glory none of that. I don't have the power or the ability to do any of it. I'm going to glory in the weakness of my flesh because when I'm weak, then Christ is living strong through my life. Let's go on to the next part and see what he says here. Therefore, I take pleasure. Someone says, I'm just like Paul. Well, if you are, take pleasure. If you think Paul's thorn was a sickness or disease, take pleasure in it. Are you taking pleasure in it? Hardly. Someone else says, "Ah, you know, this is just the thorn in my flesh given to me by God. Why? Because I had an abundance of revelations. I've been to His third heaven. I saw words that cannot be spoken. Yep. And they're trying to make me God or something. You know, they're trying to lift me up. You know, I've got all these people coming around me thinking I'm some kind of... They're trying to make me the, you know, God that came down to the earth. Well, if you think that that's your thorn in the flesh, then that's exactly what's happening to you. 
So you must just get off pride and just start to realize that, no, you're not all that spiritual. Amen? That's right. Now, I say, I'd go as far as to say this. If anybody needed one, it would have been Paul. That's right. It would have been him. All of what, he, all of what was revealed to him, dear God. Remember that the New Testament is the most revelation that God has ever given to mankind. And Paul was the guy that got it all. Peter said, this guy Paul writes things I, you know, hard to be understood. Why did Peter say that? Peter was with the Master. Yeah, but he wasn't with him in spirit. Like Paul was. I mean in the spirit world. He didn't get caught up there and saw all these things like Paul did. So no, you don't have a thorn in your flesh, a sickness and disease. Forget it. So he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I become a fool in glory. I am become a fool in glory. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. Let's go over that again because some of you didn't get it. I am become a fool in glory. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. What is he saying? You think that I'm beside myself. You think that I'm a fool because I come to you. I don't come up and say, well, you know, I've been to heaven and this and that. He says, he comes to them and says, I glory in that I was beaten. I glory in that I was beaten with rods and, and whipped. I glory in that I suffered persecution for Jesus. Thrown into prison. All these other things. Perils in the sea, I was in the sea. I was in the wilderness. I was naked. I was without food, without clothing. He, I'm glowing. And he says, all they're saying, all that they're doing to you, why don't you just, you know, get rid of all these people? Why don't you talk bad against them? He said, no, I won't do it. I'm going to love them. You're mad, Paul. You're mad, Paul. That's what they were saying to him. But you know what? They thought he was a fool for that. He said, I should have been commended of you. He said, you're so spiritually blind that you can't see that I am suffering persecution for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the abundance of revelations and all the things that God's been doing through my life to get to you the fullness of this gospel. And you're going raising up these here people just because they might look good. Just because they might sit down and have a meal with you. Or just because they might flatter you with their words. I come along and I'm walking by faith and love. I'm not mocking any of these people. I'm walking in love towards these people. And you come and say I'm bad and beside myself. That's what they're saying. He said, I should have been commended of you. But you were too, you know, they weren't spiritually smart enough to see it or to recognize it. Go on down. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. You see how he's actually more or less showing that if I wanted to brag on myself, I could. And I'll tell you what, he's saying, he called himself the less than least of all the apostles when I believe he was number one. I mean that. I mean that. But he says, I'm less than least of all the apostles. He said, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Look at verse 12. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. 
Now listen. Turn over to 2 Timothy. We're going to read that again. Here is a man that's being persecuted. Here's a man that's being torn down. Here's a man that's had all these things happening to him. He had to write it like it was to these people because they could not see the truth. They did not understand it. They didn't know what was going on. So he writes and tells them like it is. Not to brag on himself, but just to open up their eyes. You know, sometimes you just got to get out of faith and start telling people like it is. Now listen, friend. You know, you walk off and you say how much you walk, you know, people you walk and love so much and people think, well, glory be to God. What's with, you know, this guy never has any trials or tribulations. This guy never goes through any persecution. Forget it. Chances are they're probably going through more. It's just that they learn how to live above it, but these people couldn't see it. Paul learned how to live above it. They couldn't see it, so he came down to their level and says, now listen. You're raising up all these here people. You're listening to all these here people. I'm the one that suffered this persecution. I'm the one that's preaching you the gospel, the truth of this gospel. I'm the one that gave birth to you people through the word of God. You're my children, he said. He went through all the churches and did this. Can you see that? Second Timothy, the third chapter. We read it this morning. We're going to read it again. Um, did I say this? Yeah, third chapter, verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, my patience, persecutions and afflictions. Entering in, choke the word. Persecutions and afflictions. For the word's sake. Which came unto me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. What persecutions I endured. The key word was he endured them. But out of them all the Lord deliver me, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're not living godly, then you might not have too much persecution. That's right. If you don't live godly for Jesus, you may not have any persecution. You start to, I'll tell you what, you start to grow up in spiritual things. You know what you find out? You get saved, you lose your friends. You get filled with the Holy Ghost, you lost a lot of friends that you gained when you got saved. Why? Because you're going on with God. You start walking by faith and you lost many. That's right. That's right. And those so-called Christian friends are going to be the number one persecutors in your life. That's right. That's the truth. It's a shame. It's ridiculous. I never heard of such a thing until I got saved and got into the faith walk. I mean that. Oh, I'm believing God for my healing in my body. Glory, glory be to God. That boy's mad. Don't you have any sense? I'm going to call the police on you if you don't take your kids to the doctor. Well, who said that? Well, my Christian friend. That's right. You're going to suffer it. You're going to suffer persecution. But you know what I like? The same Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, 8, Godliness is profitable in all things. He said, Well, exercise is profitable little, but Godliness is profitable in all things. Profitable in all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Isn't that right? And if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you may suffer the persecution, but you're going to profit. And he told Timothy, he says, Let everybody see you're profiting. As you go on and read them portions of Scripture down through there, right on through verse 16. 
Godliness is profitable unto all things. But if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to be persecuted and you're going to suffer affliction in the pressures of circumstances of life. It's coming at you. It's going to come at you. And it's designed to attack the Word of God to steal the Word from your heart. And if anything attacks... Boy, I'll tell you, this man was attacked. If anybody was attacked, Paul was attacked. Why? Because he had the abundance of revelation. Wouldn't it be a lot easier just to get one instead of a whole million people? If the devil could steal it from this man's heart, and if it couldn't work for Paul... And let me finish by saying this on this about Paul. If Paul couldn't make it work in his life, kick it out. Throw it aside. Don't walk the walk. Don't fight the good fight of faith. Just forget it. Throw your Bible in the garbage can. That man was given this revelation to prove to all of us that it works. And he made it work in his own life. And if he couldn't get healed from whatever they called his sickness or disease, well, then glory to God, don't any of you even try to get healed. If he couldn't do it, neither can you. Why? Because he's the one that wrote all this stuff. Isn't that right? And he wrote it by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that before he went off to die was laying hands on all the sick that was in the cities. And they all got healed. And if it doesn't work through this guy, then forget it. But it did work. And he made it work. He suffered the persecution. He suffered death. He was a civil war man. I like to put it that way. Some will say, well, why don't you go suffer like he did? Well, why don't you go fight the civil war and live in America? Huh? Do you have to? I don't have to fight the civil war to live in America, do you? But are you living under its benefits? Amen. Paul fought it. The apostles fought it. They established it. It's the foundation of Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone and built on the foundation of the apostles. And they fought that fight. Blessed be God, I'm glad it's over. Amen. We're going to suffer persecution, but I don't believe we have to suffer the same thing the ways they did. They were shown how to die for Jesus. They were shown how they were going to die for Jesus. John, they tried to kill him, couldn't do it. They tried to kill Paul a lot sooner, but they couldn't do it. Amen. But they had to show beyond a reasonable doubt that they were not only, not only could they live the victorious life, but listen, Paul at a ripe old age, he may have died a martyr's death. Someone says, well, why didn't he get delivered? He did. Can't you see it? But he had to die a martyr's death to prove to you and me that it was worth dying for. Christianity would have not been carried on if them men weren't willing to give their lives. This, this here freedom we have wouldn't have been carried on if those men that fought that civil war weren't, weren't willing to give their lives for it. The resurrection wouldn't have been as powerful if these here men that were eyewitnesses and then Paul were not willing to give their lives for it. But blessed be God it has been. And now I believe that everybody that's called to the work of God, yeah, you may suffer persecution. You may go through everything that some of these here men went and had to, had to go through. And you may even die the martyr's death. But I'll tell you what, it won't be till your job is done. They won't be able to kill you till your job is done on this earth. Then die the martyr's death. That's the victory lie. And you'll see that you can do it just like anybody else can do it. Go back to Mark's, Mark's Gospel now, the fourth chapter. I don't know why we get off these side journeys. But some of us need to hear it to weed out some of these things that's in our hearts. If you want to believe what you want to believe about Paul, go ahead. I'm going to believe exactly what I believe it says. 
So kick out the thorns in your flesh and start getting healed. Amen. Mark 4. Look at verse 18, uh, 18 and 19. We're going to pick up the same parable over here. We're going to leave Matthew. And these are they which are sown among what? You know there's more thorns out there? You thought Paul's was the last thorn. Well, it's not. It's not. There's more thorns. Look at it. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And number, four, number one thorn. Cares of this world. Mark it down. There's a thorn. You know the cares of this world is a thorn in your flesh? Okay? The deceitfulness of riches is a thorn in most people's flesh. And the lust, the lust of other things is a thorn. And these thorns make the word to be choked when these thorns enter into the heart. Notice it says entering in. Right? Chokes the word out and the word becomes what? Okay. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in. What's supposed to enter into your heart? The Word. I have not seen nor heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. Well, now the Word is supposed to enter into your heart, not these thorns. Now the person who has all these thorns. Now listen, every single one of us is born in the same world. You've got the same flesh, you've got the same cares, you've got the same lust, you've got the same desire, you've got the same everything. There's something new under the sun, but the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's just if you learn how to keep these thorns out of your heart, you've got to learn how to do this. The cares of this world. Let's give you some definitions before we actually get into it. The cares of this world. Cares. The word cares is in the Greek, M-E-R-I-M-N-A. It means to distract or to draw in different directions or to give two frames of reference. And it means to worry, to have anxiety, to fret. To worry, to have anxiety or to fret, to distract, to draw in two different directions, to remove away. Deceitfulness of riches. It means to cheat, to deceive or to beguile. That which gives a false impression. Deceitfulness of riches, to deceive. That which gives a false impression by appearance, a statement or influence of riches. That which gives a false impression by appearance, statement, or influence. A false impression given by an appearance, a statement, or an influence. And it's talking about riches. It means to present as truth that which is a lie. The word lust means an uncontrolled, unhealthy desire. So you got the care. You got the seedfulness of riches. You got the lust of other things. These three things are thorns in our flesh. If we allow them to enter into the heart, they're designed to enter in. But notice they cannot choke out the word unless they actually enter in. If they enter in, then they'll choke out the word. If they do not enter in, then they will not choke out the word. The word will be productive. Now, Notice the fourth chapter. Let's take a look at verse 34. He said, The cares of this world, entering in, choke out the word. In verse 34, But without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Let's not go too fast. He gave them the parable, 
He explained the parable. He explained the meaning of the parable. Then in, in the other verses over there, in verse 25, right on through 29, He explained the operation of the, of the Word in your heart, their heart, in everybody's heart. And then that same night, He expounded everything about this parable. You think we've had some good teaching on this parable? I'd like to have been there that night. Wouldn't you? Where Jesus just expounded everything. When he got them on, he probably said it in, in, in their language so they could understand it. He expounded all there was to know about this subject. Let's go on. And the same day, when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there was also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, 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 carest, carest thou not. What entering in chokes the word? Cares of this world. Carest thou not after he expounded all that was there. They said, Master, aren't you taking the worries or the anxieties or the frets or the cares of what's going on right here in front of us? After he expounded how the Word operates in their heart. And probably said, and now you boys got the authority in my name. When I give you a word, you just speak that word and it'll work from your heart if you'll believe it. And you've got power to do all these things, he's probably saying to them. Expounded to them. And so they get across, they get into the boat and they say, let's go to the other side. And they say, Master, carest thou not? When he just said the cares. Look what happens with, with the care. And he arose and rebuked the wind and he said unto, unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so what? How is it that you have no what? Some of people get offended when you say they're not in faith. You know that? They do. They get offended when you say, Now, brother or sister, you're not in faith. Well, who are you? I'd, if I were in your position, brother or sister, I'd rather say, Well, tell me how to get in faith so I can get it. Wouldn't you? I would. I wouldn't be offended by it. I'd say, Well, if I'm, if I'm out of faith, show me where I'm missing it. I'll get back on the track and I'm going to get it from God. I'm going to get my answer to prayer. Jesus said, How is it you have no faith? After he preached all that word, they have no faith. After he explained to them verbatim everything that, that, that he said before, word for word, explain, expounded the whole operation of the kingdom, and they said, Carest thou not? Well, you think that's something? You remember over there I told you to underline that portion of Scripture in first, or Second Corinthians 12, 28? Without was all these persecutions and afflictions coming against Paul, right? What else came against him? Matter of fact, hold your place there and go there just for a second. 2 Corinthians 12, 28. Now listen to what he said. Listen to what Paul said. He named all those things that were coming from without. Look at verse 28. Besides those things that are without. What are without? The beatings, the whippings, the rods he was beaten with, the trials, the afflictions, the persecution, the pressures of life, all these things came from without. 
Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. What came on him daily? Who said he was to take the care of the church? Anybody? Did Jesus say, Paul, I want you to establish all the churches and then take the care of all of them? Did he say that? Or did Jesus say the cares? Philippians 4, 6, the same writer that said, I took the care of all the churches, is the same writer that said to you, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. It's the same word. Don't take the cares. Be careful for nothing. Now, you want to know, you, someone will say, well, how, how can I live without taking the care? You remember that the three Hebrew children, when they were standing before the fire furnace, and the king says, if you don't bow down and worship the false image that I've made, if you don't worship that image I'm going to throw inside the fire furnace, what did they say? They said, O king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. We're not going to take the care of it. We're not going to worry about it. We're not going to, I'll tell you what, if there was anybody that had a reason to take care was being going, thrown into a fire furnace. They said, we're not taking the care of it. We're not going to take the care of it. We're not taking the care of it. Now, 1 Peter 5, 7 says what? 6 and 7, it says, humble yourself before God by doing what? Casting all your what? Casting all your cares on who? On the Apostle Paul? Casting all your cares on him for what reason? Huh? Say that again. Who does? Oh. You mean God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is caring for you? Anybody ever care for somebody? You know, you went to their house and you took care of them. You know, you saw to it that they got fed. You saw to it that they were dressed. If they couldn't bathe, you saw to it that they got a bath. You know what I'm talking about? You got, went to the house and you made sure that all, everything was in order for them. You took care of that person. They went into a place that they couldn't take care of themselves. So on and so forth. And you took care of that person. Did you do a good job? Did you? You know who's taking care of you? God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. He's given His angels charge over you to keep you. Now listen. We said to bring the fruit, to bring the seed to a plant, to bring it to fruition. You had to keep it, you had to understand it, receive it, and keep it in your heart with patience, right? Paul said, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding... Shall, huh? Shall what? Keep your heart. Be careful for nothing. Don't take the care. Don't take the fret. Don't take the worry. Don't take the anxiety. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it feels like. Don't take the care because God's caring for you. But when all the calamities had come, lift up your hands to God with one accord and just say, Lord, I thank you for whatever it is and give all honor and praise and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace 
of God that passes all your human understanding. When you see your child there burning up with fever, when you see the sickness or the disease getting worse and worse, whatever it is, and the peace of God that passes your head knowledge, your understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. You receive it, you understand it, you keep it in your heart with patience. The peace of God will keep it. All that peace. Now here it is. Paul and Silas was in prison. Oh yeah. The affliction and the persecution came on them. No, they weren't like some of these, whatever we want to call some professing Christians today, I don't know. Wide-eyed open Pentecostals. And they weren't like that. They stood there in the midst of the jailhouse. And that picture they put on TV was disgraceful. I mean, did you see that? About Paul and Silas when they was in jail? That's all I saw and turned it off. And I said, they didn't read the book. There they were in prison. You see, I like, well, the thing I like about the Word of God is that it gives you exactly how to do it. There they were in prison. They were beaten. No, faith preachers never said you might not get beaten for Jesus. It just says that when you do learn how to glory and praise Him and endure it with patience and you'll get healed and you'll get delivered and you'll get set free and the Spirit of glory will rest upon you. If you truly got, got persecuted for Jesus, it means you're living godly. And there they are in jail, beaten, stripes upon their backs. You think Paul didn't do the right thing? It shows right here. I, think he, I know he did this every time. And there they were. Luke wrote the book. There they were. Beaten. Backs wide. Split open. Blood pouring out. Much pain. He said pain. So it says, well, Paul was in pain. Well, you'd be in pain too, wouldn't you? But he didn't say I murmured and complained about it. He says I gloried. Hallelujah. When, when Peter and John came from being persecuted, they said, Glory to God. We reported all the chief priests and I said unto them, Lift up our voice to God with one accord. Isn't that right? And did what? Said, Lord, thou art God. And I could just see Paul there in that dark, you know, dungeon down there. I could just see the jailhouse there. I could see all the other prisoners in there. And I, I guarantee you somebody didn't throw a pan against the thing and cause, cause them to shut up. That's what this movie showed. But I'll tell you what. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, it is a privilege to suffer persecution for the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if I have to, I'll give my life for Jesus. I'll do anything you want. I glorify you. I rejoice. It's a joy unspeakable and filled full of glory. And as they began to worship and magnify the Lord and magnify His name, it became midnight and they worshiped and praised God. The Spirit of glory did rest upon them and the power of the Holy Ghost did fall upon them and it blew open the jailhouse and all the doors and the jailer got saved and his family and his household. That's what I call suffering persecution for Jesus. And if you want to live godly for Christ Jesus, you'll suffer it. But don't go off and say, I've got to suffer all this sickness and disease and all these things that's coming against you. Because that's not it. Anybody that suffered in the book of Acts for Jesus suffered stonings, whippings, beatings, mockery, spit upon, laughed at, mocked, everything. All the things that are without cut themselves open with whips, everything. Name it. 
But blessed be God. They gave glory unto God. And actually said it was good that they did. They said, we count it a joy. Now, James says, count it all joy. And when you do, the Spirit of glory rests upon you. Paul said, be careful for nothing. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It'll keep your heart. It'll keep your mind. And we go back to the Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. It says, this is the, the man who's planted by the rivers of water. When the drought comes, he's careful for nothing. Careful for nothing. He does not take the care. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. It doesn't matter how, the calamity, how bad that calamity that comes your way looks. It does not matter. He knows that he careth for him. He careth for you. Now, if you could really say, I know that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit care for me. If you know that inside your heart deeply, then you'll not take the care of anything else. Who's your caretaker? Jesus. Who's taking care of you? Jesus. Who's taking care of your body? Jesus. Who's taking care of all your finances? Jesus. Who's taking care of all your children? Jesus. That's why people are so concerned and worried about their kids leaving Jesus. Oh, leaving, you know, they, they, they speak that fear right upon themselves. They keep on saying, well, you know, what if my child gets involved in this? What if my child gets involved in that? What if my child leaves the Lord and does this and does that and doesn't want to go to church anymore? What if he does this? What if he does that? That's taking the care of your children upon yourself. What can you do to make him come? Just give honor and praise to God. He said, train up your children when they should go. And when they get old, they won't depart from it. Cast the care upon him. He careth for you. Let him do it. Don't you take the care. If you take the care, it won't be, you won't do any good. You won't be able to handle it. You can't handle that care. Now, I'd like to get into the next one. Because we're going to get all, all this negative side out. And now we're going to start to weed out. And we're going to start to show you how to put in. We're going to take out and we're going to put in. We're going to take out, we're going to put in. Now listen, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, the same shall he also reap. If a man soweth to his flesh, he shall of his flesh reap what? But if he sows to his spirit, he shall of his spirit reap everlasting life, eternal life, zoe life. The process of sowing and reaping is a process. Isn't that right? It's, it's timely. There's time involved. So, and I want to say this to clarify something. I know we get on our words and we should be on our words. But I want you to know that faith is not a positive confession only. That's not all faith is. Faith is just because you said it doesn't mean you got it. But it's a true saying. You can have what you say. That's true. But that's not the whole picture of it. Just because you said it doesn't mean you're going to get it. It's if you said it from your heart. And so when a person begins to sow negatively in his life, Oh, I'm not saying that just because you said that tickled me to death that you're going to fall off the pew and die right there. But I wouldn't say it and believe it. Somebody might come and tickle you someday and you just... <laughs> but what I'm saying is you have to sow it. If you keep sowing... Like somebody did this for over a period of years. He said, one of these days I'm going to get run over by a train. Twenty years later he did. Somebody says if that, someone's going to fall down them steps and break their leg or break their foot. Kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it. No, it doesn't grow right away. He's not going to say it because he said it once. But he, but he kept saying it. He really believed it. And somebody brought that down and broke their foot. Amen. Process of sowing and reaping. You keep saying your kids are not living for God. You keep saying you're having trouble in the area of your husband or wife. You keep saying that they don't want to live, serve God. You keep saying they don't want to do the things of God. You keep saying they're going to get off into drugs and alcohol. You keep saying that they're going to do all that. And one day, you keep saying it, you'll sow it and reap it. Can you see how it works? 
But when you start sowing to the life, you start sowing the words of life. You know what's going to happen? When you sow death, friends, the devil is not coming against you. You're just going to have a good old time. Because he doesn't care. When you sow death, if you keep on saying your kids are going to get involved with drugs and alcohol, all they're doing, all he's doing is just saying, yeah, you're right. He's not bothering you in the least. It's when you start saying, my kids walk in the Spirit. My kids will grow up in the faith. They'll never depart from the faith. They'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. They'll speak with other tongues. They'll walk in divine health. They'll never leave God. They'll, walk, they'll probably be in the ministry. They'll serve the Lord all their lives with a whole heart, with a pure heart. When you start talking like that, then the devil's coming. See, there's no opposition when you're playing his game. But when you start walking by faith in love and you start walking in divine health, when you start walking in all the things of God that's provided for you in this world, then He's coming at you with full force. Right now, those circumstances may be bigger than the Word in you. Continue in my Word. Continue in my Word. Continue in my Word. Continue in my Word. You know what the word abide means? Remain. If you abide in me, and my word remains in you. Remains in you. Stays in you. Is kept in you. Is protected in you. Now, he said, you'll ask what? What you will and it shall be done unto you, right? Notice it says it remains in you. Let's, before we just close it, back there to Philippians 4, chapter verse 6 and 7. It said, the peace of God which passes on understanding shall do what? Keep your heart. What does that word mean in the Greek? Protect. Protect it. It'll protect it. The peace. Can you describe the peace? No. It passes understanding. There's nothing to liken the peace of God to here on the earth. At least not that I know of. But the peace. You'll know you're in heart faith when the peace comes upon you. That peace rises up in your heart. That peace is surrounding your heart. It protects. Protects the word. When that doubt comes in, the peace flows, protects. When all the thorns come in, the peace flows, protects. Protects your heart. Then you'll bear much fruit and glorify your Father in heaven. Now we're going to move on. We're going to continue on Wednesday night. We're going to just go from here. We're going to go right into the pure heart. We're going to show the how we can all get our hearts cultivated to a place that the Word will be productive in us and bring to fruition righteousness in all that pertains to godliness in our lives. And everybody, if they'll take these steps to cleanse their heart, to purify their ground, to cultivate the land that the Word lives in, then you're going to see how the Word is going to just begin to work and work and work and work until you become mature and tired and wanting nothing. Amen? How many want to get there? I want to get there. See, Paul said, I haven't attained. Praise God. We're just going to keep on following like he did. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We'll close here. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. 
I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.